We need, to, we need to listen to what the voice of the Holy Ghost says, what he says, what the word of God says. Amen? Because that's the ultimate truth. Praise God. Did you bring your outlines? Let me see them. Wave them around. Wave them around. Let me see them. Who does not have one? Well, you should have got one on the way in. Who doesn't have one? Raise your hand if you don't have one back there, over here, over here. You really don't have one? Right over here. You got one, Carolyn? You got one? Okay. If we don't have enough, you'll have to share. Hallelujah. Did anybody do their homework? Did anybody? Oh, we have more over here. You know, because we got a pop quiz at the end of the, the night tonight. Look at you guys. I can't believe Look at nasty night like this, and you guys come out. That is awesome. Awesome. I just can imagine how it pleases the heart of the Father. Because it would have been so easy to say, ah, the weather's nasty tonight. I'm going to stay home. But you didn't. Amen? Amen. All right. So last week, oh, for those of you that maybe were not here last week, we're doing something a little bit different for... We started last week, it'll probably be the next couple of weeks. We're using this outline, and we're making it more of an interactive night tonight. We're going to go through the scriptures, we're going to go through the outlines together, we're going to read what we need to read. If you have a question, this is the scenario in which you're welcome to ask questions, okay? If you want to make a comment about something that we're talking about, this is, now let's keep it within the framework of here, Okay? Uh, but this is, a, this is a great atmosphere to ask those kind of questions that maybe you wanted the opportunity to ask but never really got around to it. And what you're going to see happen is what we saw happen last week. Somebody will say something, and it will spark an idea in somebody, because iron sharpens iron. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so, so we'll see the Holy Spirit direct us tonight and, and move us in the direction that he wants us to go. Amen? Amen. So we're good with this? All right, so now we have a few individuals with microphones around, I think. We will in a minute. So we're going to start in section B. Those of you that were not here last week, please take the, your outline home. You can do the outline on your own on the, on the first section. Section B, how does God see me? And the song tonight was perfect for what we're... Amen. How does God see me? Because let, let, let's face it, there's three major things that, as Christians, as believers, that we need to focus in on. Number one, who God is. Number two, who are we in relationship to him? And then the third one is, who is the devil now? Amen. Now. Because a lot of people have the idea of the devil, how he was able to conduct himself before the cross, okay? After the cross, it, it's different, right? Let's not forget that, okay? Yeah, I need to teach on that. I need to teach on that. Barb, remind me, I need to teach on that, okay? Um, all right, so how does God see me? You can follow with me, and then the first scripture that we're going to go to is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, you got that up on the screen? Just leave that there for now. Okay. God the Father loves us more than our earthly father does. And he has given us certain instructions to obey. These instructions are not intended to restrict us or to keep us from having fun. They are actually for our good. God knows what is best for us. And his commandments are designed to enable us to live life to the fullest. Although the quality of our friendship with God can change according to our behavior... Our right standing with God is not based on our goodness or on our behavior. Our right standing with God is based solely upon the love of God and the blood of Jesus. How does God see us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Let's go through the mechanics of this, okay? We're not in a hurry tonight, right? Good. For he, now, um, 
if you're going to look up this scripture, and, and please, on Wednesday nights, bring your Bible. Well, Pastor, I got my phone. No, you can't write on your phone. Bring your Bibles. Turn to somebody and say, next Wednesday, bring your Bible. Yeah, you don't seem too enthused about that. Listen to me. I'm on my probably fifth Bible right now. In 38 years, that's not too bad. And every, every time I get a new one, I go back to my original Bible to see the notes that I wrote, and I transfer them into my new Bible. You need to do that so that when you go back and, 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 and maybe 10 years later, you go to a certain scripture and go, oh, I remember when God used that in my life and such, and you have your notes there. Okay, this is a great opportunity. Well, I don't think it's right to, 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 to mark up my sacred Bible. Honey, it's a tool. And if you don't want to write in your fancy Bible that you keep on the coffee table, then go get yourself a cheap one in Walmart and, and so you can write in it. It's important. That's your personal record of what God's done in your life. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, I got some Bibles that's so marked up with different colored pens and all this other kind of stuff. And back, you know, from back in the day when people actually brought their Bibles to church. You know, there was a time when people actually brought their Bibles to church. Or maybe we should have a rental program. We'll rent you a Bible for the night. So let's, let's go here, okay? Now, please write this on your outline so that you in the future don't misinterpret this scripture. And that it stays very clear to you. For he, put next to he, God. For he, God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become, and it's not a might like if, it's a we will become, the righteousness of God in who? In Christ, in Jesus. Understand the mechanics of how that scripture works. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, never sinned, had no spot, no blemish, perfect. He made him to be sin for us. This is what I call the great exchange. Jesus took upon himself our sin, our shame, our reproach, so that we could take upon ourselves his righteousness. His character, his ability. Amen. Say, well, that, that sounds kind of bold. Uh, uh, listen, it was. You look in the Gospels and you read what Jesus spoke to the disciples. It's very clear that he expected the disciples and expects the church to have the same ability. He have there's only one thing that you and I cannot do that Jesus did on this earth. That is, we can't go to the cross, die in somebody's place, Amen. and raise again from the dead. Now, we're going we're gonna to raise again from the dead in a sense, okay? And, and you know, unless we get raptured first, we're going to go through this whole thing. We're going to come out of the graves. But Jesus was declared to be the Son of God through the resurrection. Different, different, different resurrection, okay? You listening? Other than that, we're supposed to lay hands on the sick. We're supposed to see them recover. We're supposed to break the power of the devil off. We're supposed to, we're supposed to determine the way things go on this earth. And I don't say that in a, please, don't go out of here. I'm not saying that out of, out of a haughtiness. Or I'm not saying that out of, I'm talking about the confidence. Because listen to me, it takes faith for us to believe that we can operate in the fullness of what Jesus intended for his church. It's much easier to sit back and go, oh, I, I, I don't think I could ever do that. Oh, I don't think I could ever go to the hospital and pray for somebody and see them heal. Well, then you, you're saying Jesus is a liar. He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You getting that? How does he see us according to the scripture? According to this verse, what are we made? I'm looking at the outline here. Look at your outline. According to the scripture, we are made what? Okay. 
Okay. So let, hold on to this. Don't turn to the next page yet because let's look at the bottom here. Righteousness is a big religious sounding word, but its meaning is very simple. The righteousness that God bestows upon us is simply the ability to stand before him without any sense of guilt or inferiority as though we had never sinned. Now let's turn to the other page. Let's see what it says over there. God credits us with his righteousness. Credits us. Credits us. Not paying us. He credits us with his righteousness. Okay. So let's take this a couple steps further. Righteousness. Again, it's a big religious word, and most of the time, most people's definition of righteousness is really self-righteousness. It's when I'm acting good, when I dress a certain way, when I don't eat certain things, when, when uh, you know, I've been good for like two weeks straight, and now I'm walking in righteousness. No, that's self-righteousness, and according to the book of Isaiah, God considers that like filthy rags. Because basically, when we walk in self-righteousness, what we're saying is, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. Anybody ever tried that? Just me, a couple of other people here. And what happens? Face plant, boom. But the righteousness that comes from God is a righteousness of faith. Again, the exchange. We give him our faith. He gives us his righteousness. We declared our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We received salvation. Okay? Now understand this. Everything in the kingdom of God operates the same way. Because some people would... You hear people... No, nobody here would do this. But you hear people sometimes say, Pastor, I don't understand why I'm not getting healed. I go to church all the time. I'm paying my tithes. I spend six hours a day reading the Bible and praying. Okay, so where, where are you going with this? What's your point? You're trying to earn something that can only come by faith. Now, it's not to say that faith doesn't have any action to it. But it's not an action of earning. It's an action of receiving. Did you get that? It's not an action of earning. It's an action of receiving and walking in faith. Yes. Okay, let's, let's wait till the mic gets over there. Say that uh, we, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Proverbs. And, yeah. and we go to the throne of God with, with that boldness. Did you see my notes from this weekend? I'm new here. Okay, I'm going to say, because, yeah, hold on to that, because I'm teaching on that this weekend. <laughs> Don't spoil it. So you're going to be here this weekend? <laughs> Are you going to be here this weekend? Act surprised. <laughs> Turn to somebody this weekend and go, oh, my God, that is so good. <laughs> you're 100% right. I'm, I can't say anything else, because I'm going to go into my notes. Okay, but thank you. You're 100% right. So what? No, no, I can't. I was going to say, what gives us that kind of boldness? Because it certainly can't come from our, our deeds. Because we fail miserably in our own power. Thank God he's not expecting us to operate in our own power. Thank God he's expecting us to operate in faith. Because without faith, come on, man. This is like elementary scriptures here. Because without faith, and where do we find that? Hebrews 11. Okay? Wow, it's like mini Bible school here tonight. Hallelujah. So, Look at this awesome, great exchange that takes place. He takes all of our sin. We have access to his righteousness. So let's talk about this, righteousness, all right? Before we go into, what's the next scripture there anyway? 
Oh, that's a real good one. Now, let's wait. Let's wait. Righteousness is a position. Righteousness is not something that you and I can conjure up, that we can, again, earn, that we can try to pursue. To pursue righteousness, you pursue Jesus. Jesus then makes us righteous. I mean, in 25 years of pastoring, Sometimes you would hear, and, and, and sometimes we don't really, sometimes we talk, you ever talk and not realize what, what you're saying? And you want to you wanna go, did you hear what you just said? <laughs> Pastor, I got saved on such and such a time, and man, I've really got my act together. I've really cleaned my act up. That's wonderful. But where did that ability come from? to clean that act up. Because in our own willpower, in our own strength, we can only last so long. God bless you. Amen? Amen. So, righteousness is something that's received in an instant. Don't mix up righteousness with sanctification, which is where we're going next in that scripture. Can we do that? Hebrews chapter 10. To me, this scripture here just wraps everything up. The entire gospel, the entire mission that Jesus came to the earth, this summarizes the whole thing. For by one offering, once, once, as compared to, in the Old Testament, killing, God only knows how many hundreds of thousands, if possibly millions, of animals were sacrificed from the time Adam's, because the first sacrificial, the first sacrificial act was in Genesis chapter three. Amen. Did anybody remember what happened in Genesis chapter three? Let me see your hand. What happened in Genesis chapter three? Mike, Mike, everybody's Mike's tonight. Hello. Yeah, you're on. <laughs> uh, God uh, had um, created um, clothing for them. So he, uh, Why? Because they were what? They, naked. they were naked, yeah. So they had sin, and he had to make a sacrifice. Right. Yeah. So, so he didn't go to Macy's basement rack, right? <laughs> Something died so that Adam and Eve would be covered. Now, that's a picture of righteousness. And it's a, it's a really very rich picture of righteousness because I personally believe since this is a precedent-setting event, that God took those skins off of those animals as soon as those animals were dead, warm, bloody, and put those on Adam and Eve so they would get the idea, your sin cost a life. Now, if you look at the rest of the Bible and you see how God operates in patterns, we can safely assume that they were probably sheep. Because you, you see that theme all throughout the Word of God, from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. You see that theme. So all of those animals that were slain, and that's what this chapter is really talking about, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, even going to 11 in the book of Hebrews, is, is comparing... Christ's sacrifice to the Old Testament animal sacrifices. Now, mind you, all those animals, they really didn't die in vain because when an animal was killed, that meant that the person who presented that or was a recipient of that sacrifice, their sins now were covered for how, how long? One year. Expiration date. Next year, on that same day, you've got to come back and do the same thing. But watch this now. Watch this now. Although the person's sins were covered, nobody walked away born again. You went to the temple, you sacrificed an animal, your sin was covered for a year, but your nature was not changed. And that's what the writer of Hebrews, I believe, is the Apostle Paul. That's why he's making this point here. 
For by one offering he has perfected, for how long? Oh, so there's no expiration date. I don't have to go back and get born again on the anniversary of the day that I got born again. It's one offering forever. Now watch this now. Let's go through the whole thing again. This is really important. This is going to give you the answer like, well, I'm born again. Well, how come I'm still sinning? I'm born again. How come I still have these flaws? I'm born again. How come I'm still having to struggle or deal with this, that, and the other thing? Watch. For by one offering has perfected forever those who are... Say it loud. Being. Being is continuous, right? Those who are being what? Sanctified. So let's go. What does sanctified mean? Set apart. Come on, who else? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Everybody froze all of a sudden? Made holy or being made holy. Anybody else? Set apart, sanctified. Born again. Well, born again, yeah. But born again is the perfected thing. So we're born again. Our spirit is made perfect. Being made pure. Being, the key there is being made. Be, being made. So we're not there yet. The turn, turn to somebody and say, we're being made. Because we ain't there yet. You getting this? So now, now watch now. When we die or take a last breath or Jesus comes to get us, is it based on the sanctified part or is it based on the fact that we've already been perfected? So what about us is perfected when we make that declaration of faith, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. What part of us got perfected? Our spirit. Because remember, we're created in God's image and his likeness, right? Jesus said God is Spirit. You remember that? Yes. And so if we're made and created in his image and his likeness, then how many parts should we have in our three? Because God the Father exists as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if we're created in his image and his likeness and, there, and he's tripart in nature, then there should be something tripart about us, right? If he has a triune nature, then, then, and we're creating his image and likeness, then we should have a triune nature. I know you're, some of you are saying, Pastor, this is like the 50th time I'm hearing you say this. Right, because this is important. Because most people don't realize that it was your spirit that got born again. You have a soul, right? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, and then they live in a body, okay? You got it? So what part got perfected? Because some of you are sitting there going, well, I know the guy next to me or the woman next to me, they're born again, but they sure ain't perfect. <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> Don't point. So we have the, this is why I'm telling you, this is such an important scripture for us as Christians to understand who we are. And so, so that when the enemy tries to come and, uh, and say, you're still doing this and you're still doing that and you claim to be a Christian and look at what you did and look at what you said and you fell again, you fell back into that. And fell. You're right, devil. But my spirit is perfect in Christ. And I'm being sanctified. Like, we're not there yet, but thank God we're not where we used to be. Amen? No, because the, the voice of the enemy always comes to make accusation and always comes to bring guilt and condemnation. Amen? And that's how we're going to cut that down. All right, so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, when Jesus offered himself for our sins, what does this do for us in God's sight? I'm hearing Somebody raised their hand. So the microphone can get to you. Covers us in his blood. And that does what? For by one offering he has perfected. So in God's eyes, what happened to us when we received Christ? 
he considers us perfect in our spirits. Our spirits are, in fact, the Holy Spirit seals us so that nothing ever again can tamper with our spirit. Okay, because that's what's going to go to heaven. Okay? All right, what's the next one? Hebrews 10, 17. Hebrews 10, 17. This is, this is just as important. Then he adds, this is God speaking now, and he's actually, this writer of Hebrews is quoting the Old Testament. I believe it's in the book of Jeremiah. He adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's an awesome promise. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. When? When we become, when we're born again, when we're being sanctified, all through the process, okay? Now think about this. Think about the thief on the cross next to Jesus. He professes faith in, in, in Jesus. Lord, I want to be with you when you come into your kingdom. What did Jesus say to him? Today. Not, well, maybe you need to go to a baptism class first. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to prove to me that you have a change of heart. Maybe you need to go serve in the nursery for a little bit. What did he say to him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. What happened? In that moment when he professed Jesus, and he calls him Lord, he calls him sir. Okay? What happened? Now, now that man got born again, still, it's still old covenant because Jesus didn't die and resurrect yet. He didn't raise from the dead yet. But he still got saved just like all the other Old Testament saints got saved. He put his faith in what was going to happen in the future. Now, that future was a lot shorter than Abraham. Abraham's 2,500 years before. And Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Okay? He put his faith in an event that was going to take place in the future. When you and I got born again, we put our faith in an event that took place when? In the past. In the past. Done deal. Right? Remember, what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. It's, it's fulfilled. Okay? You got this? Their sins, thank God. Did everybody say thank God? Their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. I will remember no more. Thank you, Jesus. Because I don't want that paper trail following me. You getting this? Anybody got any questions, any comments, any, anything before we move on? Yes. Hold on. Wait till the mic gets there. How did the thief go to paradise when Jesus wasn't resurrected yet? Paradise. Paradise, not heaven? Right. Like uh, intermediate? Split, like in, in, in the spirit realm, split second timing. Okay, because everybody in the Old Testament that died before Jesus came, died on the cross, rose again from the dead, went to a place called paradise. That's where Abraham is. That's where, you remember Jesus told the story about Lazarus and the rich man? That took place in paradise. So before Jesus rose from the dead, there's a compartment called paradise. It's not heaven yet and not hell yet. It's still a place on the, on the, on the Sheol side, on the, on the hell side, still a place of suffering. Remember, the rich man says to, to, says to Abraham, who he could see from where he was, he could see in paradise where Abraham was. Okay? And he says, Father Abraham, please, send, send Lazarus with a little bit of water because I'm, I'm dying and I'm suffering in this place. And he couldn't. And Abraham says, we can't cross from here to there and you can't cross from there to here. But when Jesus died, his spirit left his body, he went to paradise. Got all those people that had their faith in him, all the saints from the Old Testament. 
emptied that place out, and the gates of heaven were open. So when we die, we don't go to paradise. We go to heaven now. But, but the people who went to hell, Sheol, are still there. That gets emptied out into the lake of fire in the future. Got it? So uh, uh, thank you for picking up on that. I was wondering, should I bring this up or not? Because it specifically says paradise. Okay. Oh, I I don't know. I honestly don't know. Well, that's where purgatory came from. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think the idea was based on that, but there's nobody there. You know. well, save your money for the, you save your money if you're going to go buy masses for somebody that's in there. There's nobody home. They laughed. The last person shut the light. Yeah. So when uh, the, the man died on the cross right next to Jesus. Went to he, paradise. He went to paradise. Uh, and Mark, but, when Jesus. As soon but, as but, he, but let me just say this to you. When they got there, I'm sure Jesus said, don't unpack. <laughs> okay. We're not staying here. I yeah. understand. Uh, right when Jesus died, Mark talks about uh, all of the spirit, all of the prophets of old went up. So oh, that's they, a whole different thing. They, they came out of the graves. Say, yes. So and went the into two Jerusalem. Things are two different things that you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Two different things. Because that happened after Jesus died. Right at the point point when he like when literally he, right. Right at, at the point, point when, when he, he gave up his spirit. Okay. Yeah. So where did they go? Graves opened up. It doesn't talk a lot about it in the Gospels, and I think the reason it doesn't talk a lot about it in the Gospels because it was so well known and documented that this event had taken place. There was no reason for them to explain it to anybody that was present day in Jerusalem. You know, you're sitting home and, and you get a knock on the door and your uncle that died 20 years ago is outside. I think that would have got your attention, right? Right. So they come out of the graves at the point when Jesus gives up his spirit. Amen. Amen. It says, and they went into Jerusalem. It doesn't say that they went anywhere else. And I don't think that they would have went, all right, time's up. I got to go back to the grave. What I believe happened, and what I'm saying this based on some church history. And of course, it's dangerous with church history. You can't put 100% because some of it got, you know, romanticized and some traditions and things like that. But what I believe, consider it for yourself. I mean, it's not going to, you know, whatever. If we get this one wrong, we're not going to go to hell. Okay. Is that when Jesus rose and ascended into heaven. That's the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about. They would have ascended with him because where are they going to go? They can't go back in the grave. So I believe that they, I think that's why it was so spectacular for the disciples that they stood there and went, what is happening here? Because you remember, it says in some point that at least 500 saw him alive after the resurrection. I think that's when that happened. I don't know. When we get there, we'll find out. Amen. Like I said, it's, it's interesting. It's nice to talk about. Um, I mean, I wouldn't write a book about it, but. All right. Anybody else before we move on? I love talking about that stuff, by the way, because that would be like, if Jesus is the first fruits from the dead, then that means there's, I don't know how to say this without sounding funny, there were other fruits after him. Just before I said that, I was like, do you really want to say that? <clears throat> so, so it makes so much sense that the Old Testament saints' bodies would have been, and I don't think it was limited to Jerusalem. I, I, I think if that was the case, then every person, no matter where they were on the planet, that had put their faith in Jesus Christ and died there, they would have had to come out, which honestly is the third rapture. See, we talk about the rapture, and oh, God, I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> but there's not one rapture in the scriptures. Amen. Enoch was raptured. Amen. Elijah 
was raptured. Next rapture, the dead saints when Jesus gave up his spirit. Next one's coming. Soon. Somebody else had their hand up? Marie? I don't know if this is raising another thing, but I was thinking of glorified bodies. So those would have had glorified bodies, right? Yeah, because it's after... Well, let's think about this now. Yeah, it's after he said it is finished. Huh, oh. What do some of you think? Let's get some Bible scholars here. That's a good... Yeah, they would have had to. They would have had to because some of them would have been dead from... God knows how long, from Abraham's time. They would have had to have a glorified body. Hey, whatever they had, it had to look better than what they looked like in the grave. <laughs> so since you're talking about the glorified bodies, what about getting ready to put on your white robe? I'm sorry? What about getting ready to put on your white robe? What does that mean? When we're given a white robe? Yeah. That's basically the symbol of righteousness, that we're given white robes. Because you look in the book of Revelation, everyone in heaven... All the saints in heaven. I'm not talking about like Catholic saints. I'm talking about all of us. Because the Bible and New Testament, we're all saints. Amen. Okay? Amen. Every one of them has a white robe. So we are going to get our white robe. Yeah, I, if, yeah. We, if we get raptured, we're all going yeah, yeah, yeah. to look the same on the way up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, white robes. Yeah. Amen. So what's, what's the next scripture? Let's see. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Okay, what, again, what are we talking about? How does God see us, right? How does God see us? So we saw, he sees us as righteous. He sees us as being sanctified on a continual progressive basis, yes? yes. And that, that's the one we really better thank God for, all right? So let's see how he sees us in this scripture. But if we walk in the light as he, who's he? Jesus. Don't be afraid, come on, who's he? Jesus. Jesus. But if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we have, look at, how, look at how this affects, people say, Pastor, we need teaching on relationship. It's right here. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, what, what happens? What's the very first thing he mentions here? We have fellowship. What is that? Relationship. Now, doesn't that make the ultimate common sense? If we want to have great relationships then we need to walk in the light. It's when we step out of walking in the light and we start walking in our own or walking in sin or walking in carnality or walking in just disobedience, is that not going to affect relationships? Yes. Absolutely. But if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have, let's, let's use the word relationship because I, I, I don't think it changes anything. We have relationship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, does what? Cleanses. 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 Cleanse, cleanse one time? No. Cleanses. What is that related to? I just realized it. Just realized that the light bulb just went off. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Oh, my God. That's the process of being sanctified. Wow. I never made that connection. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, progressively sanctifies us. Amen. Cleanses us from all sin. Um, let's stay in this. Go to verse 8. Sorry, Jay. Well, Jay, hey, hey, maybe if we had somebody out of the crowd here tonight, make a commitment to learn how to use the visuals, then you wouldn't have to run back and forth. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> and that's the easy thing. That's just a computer. You're just clicking back and forth, right? Verse 8. Now, let's read it in context. Jay, you might as well stay on the other side until somebody gets the hit. Stay on the other side. Let's, let's, let's read it in context, okay? okay. You, re you recognize the importance of context? Because yes. you could take anything out of the Bible and, and prove a theory. You've got to put it in context. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, come on, read it with me nice and loud. 
We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, now you don't have to read it, let me read it. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Wow. Man, that, that'll, that'll jerk the slack out of you. I can't believe so-and-so comes to church. I know how they're living. And you don't. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Thank God. Everybody say, thank God for verse 9. Thank God for verse 9. If we confess our sins, now read it with me nice and loud. He is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Well, Pastor, I thought we were made righteous. Yeah. You and I were put in a position of righteousness. But if you want to step out once in a while and start acting like a person that is not made righteous, you can. It's not recommended, but we can. So then what is this verse here for? What are we going to get cleansed from? The stuff that we pick up when we, in our own As an act of our own will, we, we step out and we... Now, we don't lose our righteousness as far as God's concerned because you didn't earn it, so you can't lose it. But we pick up junk because if you sleep with the dogs, you wake up with the fleas. Amen? So what, if we're smart, what do we do when we pick up the fleas? You run right back. God, I confess my sins to you, Lord. I, I know I shouldn't have did what I did. I shouldn't have went with who I went. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have drank what I drank. I shouldn't have, you, you fill in the blank, okay? So when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. How many? All. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Just shake it off. Now what the devil will do to keep the fleas active in your life, oh, God, God, oh, no, no, God can never forgive you for that. He might have forgave you last week for what you did, but this one now, oh, no, no, you crossed over the line this time. And that's what you'll hear. That's what you'll hear. And that's what you'll hear. That's why this verse of Scripture is so vitally important. Now, you notice this is written to the church. Amen. If we confess our sin, confess, confess. What does that mean, Confess. Uh, you're going too far with it. You're, 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 you're trying to look for something really deep. What does confess mean? I'm hearing. Can we get a microphone here so I can hear something? To confess is to admit your sin. Yeah, you could put admit in place of that. No, no, you're going too far. You can't repent yet. You're just confessing. To confess, to confess means, Caitlin? To speak, speak to out. To speak, to speak what? The truth. The same as confess. To say the same thing as. Wow, so watch this now. So we live in a world that mankind has determined they're going to say, and they're going to determine what's sin and what's not sin. So we're called to call sin what God calls sin. So when we say the same thing about that conduct that he said, okay, then he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So you don't have the right to determine what's sin and what's not sin. And don't go by, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, that's why he gave us that. Well, Pastor, God knows my heart. Oh, honey, that's the last place you should go. <laughs> so when we, honestly, we can't really truly repent until we recognize that our, our, our thought life, our speech, our conduct is not 
lining up with the character of God. Amen. Well, everybody's doing it. Then everybody's wrong. Amen. Any comments? Oh, it's 8 o'clock already. Oh, we're going into overtime. Last question, last comment, last whatever. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, Pastor, I should have brought That's this okay. up earlier. Uh, in Hebrews 10, 14, whoop, wait, hang on a second. Uh, when, when it's the on words, the screen, Bill. It's on the screen. When, uh, well, uh, when the Word of God tells us that uh, the Father made Jesus to be sin, what does that word made mean? Oh, you want to go to 2 Corinthians 5.21? Yes, yes, please. Okay. Okay, how many remember when Jesus met with Nicodemus, John chapter 3? Okay, how did Jesus describe to Nicodemus about who he was? Does anybody remember? Jesus used an example from the Old Testament. Jesus said to Nicodemus, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And I will draw, I will draw all men is italicized. You take the word men out of there, and then you get the true meaning of what happened to Jesus. And I will draw all what? All sin. Like a mag I picture it like a magnet. And when Jesus was on that cross, man, the sin of mankind was just... just attaching itself to him. So in that sense, he who knew no sin became sin, that we would become the righteous of God. Now, does anybody remember the incident? Um, I forget where it is, in Numbers, I think it is, where serpents came into the, into the, into the, the camp of the, of the Israelites because they were grumbling and complaining. Serpents came in, fiery serpents, and they, they specifically talk about these Serpents that are known to be in the wilderness in that area where they were that were only maybe two or three feet wide, but their bite was so poisonous. And so I forget how many thousands died. The people run to Moses. Moses runs to God. And God says to Moses, I want you to get a staff. I want you to make a, a serpent out of bronze. The bronze and brass always represents judgment in the Old Testament. Okay, remember, remember it says like the heavens will be like brass to you. Okay, that always represents judgment. So what did the people have to do to get healed? They had to look at what? They had to look at what? The bronze serpent. They had to look. That now, isn't it amazing that they had to look at the very thing that was killing them? You getting this? They had to look at the very thing that was killing them. Well, if Jesus on the cross became sin and we need to look to him, then we are acknowledging and looking to him as our Savior. Amen. Does that answer the question? For us. Now, did Jesus have any sin in his life? No. So, but, but, but it wasn't forced upon. Excuse me? I said it wasn't forced upon. Jesus took it on himself. Yeah. Father, is it possible for this cup to pass? But not my will, but your will be done. So when was Jesus made sin? On the cross. Well, let me ask you this question. Could Jesus have died on the cross if he didn't take sin upon himself? No, there's no way to kill him. So, but he wasn't made sin from the beginning of eternity. No, nobody's saying that. No, that scripture doesn't say that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I'm glad you brought that point up so we can clarify. Oh, absolutely not. Remember, he's a spotless lamb. You remember what John the Baptist said when he saw him? Behold the 
Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. Take them away upon himself. Isaiah 53. He himself took upon himself all of our sin, all of our, you, you know, fill in the blanks. And by his stripes, we are healed. Got it? Anything else before we're done for tonight, Caitlin? Did you have fun tonight? I have a question on righteousness. I think I I'd asked you a couple weeks before. Um, how do we know the healthy like difference between like when we get up in the morning, we want to read the Bible, or you know, a lot of times I feel like I'm getting condemned because I I want to go throughout my day and like constantly be reading, or if I pick up a book, or if I'm not doing anything, I feel led to read something. But when I'm reading, it's always like my Bible school books. Like I don't, I don't ever go outside. Okay, of I'm missing the connection here, Caitlin. The what is that? Where's is the connection the, with righteousness? The righteousness of how you said, like, we can't do anything in order to be more righteous. But I know that in order to for my life to have stayed better and stayed doing positive things, I had to read the word. I had like, how do we know the health, healthy boundaries? All right, forget be? about righteousness. It has nothing to do with okay. that. Well, that. What you're one. pursuing is sanctification. Yeah. Right. Okay. You're pursuing spiritual growth. Being it has nothing to do with righteous. If you never read your Bible your whole life after you got born again, God still sees you as righteous. Right, okay? but Now, that's not an excuse not to go, Pastor I don't have to read my Bible anymore. <laughs> but you understand, you're pursuing sanctification. You're taking in the Word, you're studying the Word, you're spending time in prayer to be less like you used to be right. and to be more like Jesus. That's not righteousness. That's sanctification. Okay, so how, okay. what is the healthy boundary of like knowing when you've read enough? Oh, you've got to follow the Holy Spirit, whatever he's telling you. Yeah, that, there's no general rule for that. That's what's so awesome about having a relationship with Jesus. Right. The Holy Spirit will take you and, and, and he'll lead you. Yeah. Anybody else? All right. We're good? Good. Because it's eight minutes after eight. And the kids are probably wanting to get picked up by their parents. Well, listen. If you need prayer for anything, please don't leave tonight without receiving that prayer. Come up here. There's people that will pray for you. Amen? Amen. God bless you.